Welcome to Look at My Records here with Andrew and Steph of the Magnificent Fashion Fascinations <laughs> Grand Chorus. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Thank you. Oh, thanks for coming by. It's a pleasure. Been a fan for quite some time. I've seen you live a couple times before around Jersey City. It's great that you're a Jersey City band and you identify as a Jersey City band. Yeah, we're proudly a Jersey City band. Very proud. Me too. There's a lot of Jersey City pride at this table today. We come bearing gifts, so I think we should start out with that, that we brought you these little uh, freebies. Thank you. This is very thoughtful. I will play this in my car. Because we were talking about having cars. I have a CD player in my car. Well, that'll work well. Too. I also have a like Discman that I plug into my speakers here. So I can listen to CDs sometimes. So this will go to good use. And there's also a recipe book there. So if you need to make any Fascinations Grand Course inspired desserts, this would be uh, your book that you would use. So everyone who's listening, we're talking about Fascinations Grand Chorus's album. Just came out beginning of the month, right? November 1st. November 1st. Started off November in a great way. Presentations of Electrical Confectionery. Indeed. <laughs> it's a follow-up to your 2017 debut EP. Uh, it's a, we, we've released a couple EPs. So we released a couple EPs. Two, 2017 was Angle C. Uh, and before that, there was the self-titled one in 2016. Then, wait, no, that's two self-titled the first one just called welcome maybe oh yeah maybe it's there's all on band camp you find them there was two before anglesey but i don't even know if they had titles they were just uh small eps one was yeah, three yeah. songs one was four songs that we just put up online cool uh, we've been trying to keep some sort of uh content out there have have multiple releases that's and then good we have one final gift for you here oh wow uh, which comes from this weekend, which is the uh, 40th anniversary of the Happy Meal. Wow. So this is a four-day promotion that they're doing of uh, classic Happy Meal toys. And, wow. Uh, they Thank start, you. They started it on Thursday, and I think it ends on Sunday, so it's four days. So yeah. we, But we've, we've been going around to McDonald's trying to find these toys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. <laughs> this is very thoughtful. Thank you. I'm very grateful for this. Thank you so much. And it's a surprise toy, I guess. Yeah. It is. They basically started with like 1987's Happy Meal toy, which I think was the hamburger changeable. And they did like they picked out some of just like the big ones up through like 2000, the early 2000s. Guys, this is excellent. Thank you, you have so a, much. You have a fun 90s one, so hopefully you like it. I would love it. That's <laughs> when I was a youth, so I probably will remember what it is. So, guys, tell me every time I read about you guys, you describe yourselves as rival songwriters. Coming out hot. Coming out hot. What? What do you mean by that? When did th this was a rivalry before you guys started playing together? Is it still a rivalry? Tell me a little bit about that. Is it a constant rivalry? You guys going up against each other? It's kind of 
part of the description of how you met too. So before this project, you guys were in competing projects, different projects. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, yeah, we were in different projects and we, I think, respected each other. Did we respect each we, other? I think we did. <laughs> Maybe we do now. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> do we respect each other? <laughs> but I mean, we were definitely competitive and I think there is a benefit to uh, writing with somebody and or even against somebody in a competitive way to be like, I have an idea. And then if that idea is good, it may inspire you to write a better idea. And then... So yeah, it does come, there definitely is a rivalry and it does come from a place of competitiveness because we're both pretty competitive. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I agree with that. I think within a, a hopefully somewhat sane and healthy range, we definitely have a air of competitiveness between, I mean, we're definitely able to collaborate and I think it's good to have somebody to bounce ideas off of to like keep you in check in case you're just like, write in weird chord progressions or you can't think of something but i do think when we come to each other with fully fleshed out ideas you know there is a little bit of like yeah that's good we should record it but then you're like you know to yourself being like okay now i gotta write something like you definitely get kicked in the pants because i think we both have that competitive nature which i mean helps fill out an album if it's like okay you got a good song now i gotta go write one you know then then we churn out i wouldn't want it i wouldn't want to let her get the better of me. So, <laughs> so I mean, and yet here we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, anytime I hear a good song or a great song, it definitely makes me angry. So there is like a, there's an, um, a layered, there's a co complex emotions with hearing a great song for me of being like, this is really great and I love it. And also I'm angry that I didn't do that first. So I think, the competitive element is important to this project because I think hopefully that lets us produce and write some good songs. It does. <laughs> and so do you guys handle songwriting separately mostly and then come together with ideas that maybe need a little more fleshing out? What's your process like? It's a little bit of both. I mean, there's definitely times where we have almost fully fleshed out ideas and then you pass it off to the other person and they may be like hey like this one part does not work this change does not work and it's helpful to get that input sometimes it's just like i have a verse stephanie can you come up with a chorus or i have a chorus can you help me out with the verse so sometimes they're fully fleshed out sometimes they're just ideas but ultimately uh it's important to bounce the ideas off of each other yeah, I think the album is, um, without saying who did what, um, is, an, is a nice combination of all the different options. There's definitely a handful of songs that may have been like, you know, almost 100% Andy full out, completely done. And then, you know, whoever did it first, there's probably the response song where like then I went and wrote another song completely on my, on my own and they're fully fleshed out songs. Then I know we definitely have songs where it was like I had a verse kicking around, Andy had a chorus kicking around, and we did combine them together. And everybody can try to guess what the Stephanie song is and what the Andy song <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, we, we won't it, say outright because, you know, we don't, don't want to add more fuel to the competitiveness. <laughs> we thought about making it part of our marketing to 
do polls for Andy's songs and Stephanie's songs to let the let the public decide what they like better and to fuel the rivalry, but we haven't gotten there yet. Soon. Yeah. Soon. Soon. It's coming. <laughs> Tell me specifically about Echoes. I mentioned before we were on mic that I've been listening to this song basically on repeat for the last 48 hours. Thank I you. love it. Definitely <laughs> has that Beach Boys vibe. Felt like it could fit right in on Pet Sound, Surf Up, Surf's Up, any number of great Beach Boys records. Tell me about that song specifically. Um, it started out as a, as almost a Carol King kind of song that we had a chord we had that chord progression and when we were finished writing the song we were like I think this would be appropriate in a wall of sound style production which we've done several times before and I think we can do well to a certain extent even though we don't have the instrumentation exactly we're not a 40 piece band yeah I just feel like not a lot of I'm not aware of too many people even trying it so i do pride ourselves when i feel like we we can pull it off with in our own way yeah i mean we do have extra instrumentation on that song stephanie is playing saxophones yes floral on that soprano and barry on that one uh and (laughs) we record the tape and we bounce it down and we layer more on uh to try to again simulate a wall of sound song uh style production and again i don't we don't capture it exactly uh it's just something we go in the direction of and we don't hit the mark exactly because I don't even know if we would want to because we don't want to be a carbon copy of anything that's come before. But to me, what's interesting is to go for a certain style and when you miss, you miss off in a direction that's more interesting and unique. So to have a band in 2019 uh, writing their modern song, trying to do it in a certain style and missing you just get like a weird combination to where oh it's kind of like a gold star studios pet sounds recording but it's also recorded in 2019 in jersey city and there's modern influences and it just ends up being this its own unique thing excuse me that i hope people out there like i love it thank (laughs) you so there you go yeah and what about the thought process behind playing live a song like echoes that has a lot of dense instrumentation and things like that because i've seen you guys play live you play as a two-piece what are you thinking would you play that song live would you come up with a different stripped down version to play live how would you approach that well we're in talks to hire the Wonderments from Brian Wilson. <laughs> get a 20-piece backing band. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it... We haven't, we haven't played live since this album has come out, so I don't know if it will be a live song. But, I mean, I am a fan of bands playing songs live completely different than the album version because if you want to listen to the album version, you just listen to the album. So if it is a weird stripped-down version that sounds nothing like the album, I'm completely comfortable doing that. And to me, as an audience member, that's more interesting in theory to be like, oh, well, how are they going to do a different presentation of this song? So we'll see what happens if it makes it into the set or if we want to do it. Maybe we'll throw it in just for you if you come to a show. Yeah, I'll be there. I will definitely be there singing along, (laughs) ooing along. (laughs) I'll do backing vocals live. 
No, that would be terrible. No. We, could, we could use the support. We always need some layered vocals. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What else did I ask? I'm trying to remember. Recording to tape. Yeah. Challenges. I, I can't let go, but I can't remember. Oh yeah, what uh, I, I remember. Um, <laughs> you, you uh, <laughs> the first single "Can't Let Go." I read that you had written that song a while ago and you've been playing it live for a very long time is that kind of the same thing with other songs on the record did you have a bunch of songs written and then maybe put a handful together this year or have these been songs you've been working on for a long time or a little bit of both it's definitely a little bit of both i feel like can't let go was originally potentially slated to be on our last ep and well, it's definitely been in the live set since the yeah, first, the first yeah, show. It's we kind played. of one of like the more d- defining songs of like the basically the formation of the band. Like we had like Welcome, Growing, Can't Let Go, like were some of like the first songs that we put together as this incarnation. Um, so I think as far as like the what was on the album, it was a little bit of a mix of a couple of things that we had in the can that we had been working out versus some stuff that we wrote just like months before the album came out. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly new stuff with yeah. a couple old songs that were kicking around. Can't let go. I'm not sure why it wasn't released prior. Again, the last EP was a little bit of a concept EP. So I don't know if we held it off just because of that as pretentious as that sounds, but <laughs> We definitely had it around, but I think we just wanted to wait for this album. I mean, it fits into the album to me, so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy that it got to be um, a, a focal point of this album. I think it's one of the, I mean, our, our sound, I think, shifts a little from song to song. I don't think, which I think is a good thing that we're not pigeonholed as like, oh, this album is just 10 of the same songs. But I do feel like it's one that represents what we're trying to do well represents our upbeat yeah in your face uh, <laughs> side of our catalog it does sound diverse sounding though the record within a certain vibe i'd say the vintage feel for sure but i think this song doesn't really sound anything like echoes or few, the one about epcot as well <laughs> yeah i mean we we go back and forth on that because there's pros and cons to that and um like to me as a a listener of an album i like an album to do different things but i think a lot of people if they like a sound and a band they want that band to do the thing that they do like i want 10 songs that are i know what i'm getting so i feel like it can be a deterrent to some people if the album goes all over the place too much but for me as a, a writer and a listener i like an album to do different things and maybe some of the songs are like hey this didn't work i don't like this particular track but you know, too bad, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I'm thinking, I don't, I hear a consistent body of work, definitely, that sounds within a, a vibe and a certain mm-hmm. sound, but there's lots of different variety within each song. It's not like you're doing like death metal and then mm-hmm. like something that sounds like Teenage Fan Club or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's you the know? thing. I feel like to, to, depending on who's listening to it, they may listen to the whole record and be like, yeah, that does sound all the same. Like it's still within, it's still all recorded the same way, written in a similar style, which is like, but to us, we're like, oh no, like I know what that was influenced by. So to me, I feel like 
I can tell, like, I feel like, you know, if people who have met, talked about Can't Let Go or whatever have been like, oh, it's like, you know, got like a blondie vibe, more of like a garage rock. And then you do listen to Echoes and, you know, you get your Beach Boys and your Karen Carpenter references. Like, they're they're different spectrums, but we're covering well, I mean, our influences. That's with any band. I mean, just the idea of having an upbeat song versus a ballad. Like, yeah. there's some bands who are upbeat bands who would not put a ballad on their album and... Again, that applies to every band as far as like, oh no, like this band I like, which I consider a hard rock band is doing a ballot and now they're selling out or whatever. Like, so even as far as upbeat versus downbeat or ballot slow songs, like there is that consideration to be like, what does the, what, what journey does the listener want to go through on this album? And will they be like a ballot, like whatever, like I'm, I'm skipping this or I'm turning this off. But again, that's not, that's not something we consider as far as like, we can't do that. Like we're happy to just put what we think should be on the album on the album. But it is something that I think we've definitely experienced with like random blogs or people who write about us to be like, Oh, this song doesn't work. And it's like, why doesn't it work? It's just, it's part of the album. It's, it's got the same aesthetic as recorded to tape. Like you should let a band go through yeah yeah dude why doesn't it work <laughs> yeah, the person who are. wrote that you know if you're listening to this you know who i'm talking about <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna beat you up <laughs> don't leave your house we're joking we're very peaceful people we're recording this in the car outside your house <laughs> <laughs> so the record any overarching themes would you say lyrically on the album um i would say that there is a overarching loose theme that kind of permeates the album and we kind of gave hints to it a little cryptically um that it's about like amusements and lost ideals and and theme parks and i would say that kind of stems specifically to me as a fan growing up and having this influence us aesthetically is specifically talking about Epcot Center, which I know if you know what that is, maybe you're like Disney, that's lame. Um, but I feel like Epcot in its infancy was a really unique and interesting thing. That's something that's a, a hobby of mine now to study up on. And I feel like aesthetically it's inspired our visual elements because we kind of have that like late 70s, early 80s color pattern that I'm, I feel like almost every company used, but they used it as well. Um, and also just like the ideals of the park, because basically when it was greenlit, they had the creative freedom to do whatever they wanted, which is very unique for anything, especially like Disney. Now they don't have those people do not have creative freedom. They have like box office sales driving, whatever they do. But they were basically like, let's not do another Magic Kingdom. Let's do something that's about you know innovation and celebrating the human spirit and technology and the future and learning and showing people how plants are grown like it was just such a crazy concept and every single idea if you read about it is just like yeah like i wanted to do this and they're like great go do it here's like a bunch of money um and they had sponsors so they were able to do that but they ended up with this really unique experience that was like visually beautiful these like pavilions they made were like architecturally like so unique so you walk in and it's just like this visual overload and 
the the rides and everything were just all about you know loosely learning but it was just such a unique experience that i feel like it's sad for me to see it go and i feel like that was something we kind of explored on this album was just kind of like this loss of of the spirit of innovation and, and things like that because it has been deconstructed in the last 20 years yeah. and it's a shell of its former self yeah it's it's, it's rough <laughs> but it also it's also like how much importance uh does an amusement park have and i think a lot of people would be like oh it doesn't mean anything like amusement park is just an amusement who cares it's this thing we go to we don't really think about but at the same time it can have a lot of importance as far as family experiences together and especially if it does have an educational theme and making people want to learn and innovate so but that also applies to a lot of different things of like things that people deem unimportant or uh without value having value to other people which also applies to music like i think a lot of music pop music gets dismissed as oh like that's fun and that's that's cute that's enjoyable <laughs> but what real value does it have it's just like this here here today gone tomorrow kind of thing yeah whereas i think or we think that you know it can have a lot of value which also is hinted at in, in the name of like confectionery of like oh this is these are just empty calories and it's like well music and pop music can have a lot of importance to people uh, depending on the context of it yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the visual element of this band and the aesthetic. How conscious are you of that? Are you just kind of being yourselves or is it something that you're really going for with the project? Like the cover, um, when I see you guys perform live too as well. Um, talk a little bit about that. Is it part <laughs> of Fashion Nation's Grand Chorus, stuff like that? I mean... It's part of who we are. It's yeah, not, it's, it's, it's not like an act. But a... we're also very aware of it. And yeah. we want to portray ourselves in a, in a certain way. Which, again, some people may dismiss as being silly. Yeah, or like cutesy. But, I mean, and it is obviously also inspired by like, you know, older bands. Like, you know, bands of like the 60s and 70s they all came out in like somewhat of coordinated outfits like and some of it you can look at and be like oh that's kind of cheesy but ultimately if i go to a show and it's just like some dudes in street clothes i'm also not engaged in that either so i feel like there's probably different opinions of, of yeah, people thinking that's i mean personally i don't even think it has to be coordination like i think we've played shows where we're not necessarily coordinated but i like I like as an audience member to see uh, somebody putting putting some effort into their performance or their act as a performer, whether or not just means like, oh, they, they're wearing something that lets me know that they're performing for me, which in the 70s, like, you know, jumpsuits and stuff like that, like yeah. they weren't necessarily like coordinated, but it was like, oh, this person's put it. This, this person's here to put on a show. Yeah, I'm not saying coordinated in that we're like identically matching, but there's normally a general like we're both kind of wearing the same colors. There's a vibe. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think we kind of need to do that too when we play live 
because we're both pretty tethered. Like, I think just as far as like visually being like, yeah, we're performing for you. We're putting on a show, having like some color coordination because, you know, Andy's behind the drums and I'm behind like a rig of keyboards. So we want to make sure there's something like visually it gets, exciting going on. It gets boring like, real quick for the audience. <laughs> we can't like dance around. <laughs> Not true. I've been to a Fascinations Grand Chorus show more than once. And it's always fun. <laughs> I'm always enjoying myself. <laughs> well, let's play some tunes from this brand new record, Presentations of Electrical Confectionery. Gotta go with the single, Can't Let Go. My favorite song, Echoes. Any others you'd like to showcase from the record? Well, since we talk so much about Epcot, let's, rattled on. <laughs> let's go with Future World as well. Future World? That, that Fits in well with the interview. And let's round it out with one more. Ooh. Should we go second single? Album album closer back again. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Everyone you're about to hear can't let go. Echoes, Future World, and Back Again from Fascination's Grand Chorus's brand new album, Presentations of Electrical Confectionery, available on all streaming services. You can also get it via Bandcamp. Here you go.
right, we are back. We heard four songs from Fascinations. Grand Chorus's new album came out in early November. Presentations of Electrical Confectionery. We heard the first single from the record, Can't Let Go, Echoes, Future World, and the second single, Back Again. Kazoo Records, awesome. Thanks for sharing those lovely songs with everyone. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. You're doing God's work. (laughs) All right. We're doing the record part now where you guys pick some records and we're going to play them. Starting with Beach Boy Smile. Question. Do you guys like the Brian Wilson version that he put out in 2004? What do you guys think of that the version? Answer, the answer is no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds good for him. <laughs> it sounds really weird to me. Yeah, yeah. it does. It he's, sounds, so, he's so affected, he, he sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, like, it, it does sound like, weird. He sounds like early 2000s Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, he, he's probably watching watching the yeah. Osbournes too much. <laughs> I mean, I was, at that I, was time. Ex- I was excited. Like everyone was. I was excited when it came out because it was like the first glimpse Besides bootlegs of like, yeah. here are some songs that have been more have been finished more by Brian Wilson and Van Dyke Parks. So I definitely got it when it came out and I was happy about it. But once the Smile Sessions came out in 2012, 12, yeah. yeah, like it was, why would you ever listen to the Brian Wilson yeah, version? There's no yeah, there's no There you go. Hot take from <laughs> FGC. <laughs> Hot on, the, <laughs> on the Brian Wilson 2004 Smile version. I agree, though. The Smile Sessions, amazing four-disc LP with lots of outtakes, you know, just tracks and stuff like that. Big influence on you guys. I mean, I don't yeah. know if this is another hot take, uh, but I think it may be the best album of all time to me. Even unfinished. I don't know how you feel about this. But to me, wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> to me, it's between Pet Sounds and Smile, and even though Smile is unfinished, I think it's it's right up there. And that, I mean, just across all albums of all time, which I think is a hot take. But I'll I'll fight anybody. I I'll th- defend I'll defend the yeah, album. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's like a <clears throat> a statement I would disagree with out of the gate. It would I would have to think about it compared to Pet Sounds more than just on the fly. I mean, Pet Sounds is usually considered like number two next to Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, I mean, I confidently think Pet Sounds is better than Me Sgt. Too. Pepper. Me too. Com- me too. Me too. Yeah, me, me too. too. I agree. We completely. all agree. But Smile to me, uh, I don't know. Again, can can it even be said since it was never officially released and never quite finished? I guess. I don't know. It's hard. But I just want to at least put out there that it's in contention for best album. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and the song we're choosing today is Child is Father of the Man, which to me, personally, I think the production on that track in particular uh, sums up everything I think the album is and everything I think music should be. <laughs> he's tearing up as he's saying this. <laughs> don't <laughs> cry, man. <laughs> A single tear. <laughs> So, the first song is Child of His Father and the Man, which is a short song, but a very beautiful song. I mean, song. I think when you hit the outro of that, I get goosebumps every single time. And I feel like a lot of songs uh, can't necessarily achieve that. So, when I can consistently get an emotional reaction on 
the same part of a song every single time, no matter how many times I've listened to it. It's a great song. There we go. Child is the father of the man. After that, what record is next? Beach Boys. More Beach Boys. It's a two for Tuesday. On a it's three for Saturday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... Next, let's do, what do we say, Darlin? Sure. <laughs> let's go with Darlin off of um, the Wild Honey album, the single released in 1968, I believe. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. Um, so our next track is Darlin, which is just a good pop song. Uh, great lead vocal by Carl Wilson. Yeah, really great. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would say, I mean, I'm not a vocalist, but you would say it's definitely an influence, correct? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think like Carl Wilson is like the pinnacle of what you would strive for, even though, you know, you can feel you have different timbres. He sings like an angel, so I still feel like as a female, I can try to strive to achieve a fraction of just like the the vocal prowess that he has. I mean, Brian Wilson is my favorite vocalist of all time as well, uh, but Carl Wilson is right there. I mean, they're both so good. Yeah, I mean, Carl Wilson's great up until that point at the end where he starts digging really deep on a couple albums, not to have another hot take. <clears> Toward, <but laughs> towards the late 70s into the early 80s, he starts doing like this faux, soulful, like like kind of growling yeah. stuff. And it gets real disgusting. Uh, it's hard, it's which, hard is, which is a choice. Not a good he, look. Yeah, it's a choice he made. He didn't have to sing like that, but he thought. I, I think maybe after you're doing something so long, you just decide like, let me change it up, and I'll just do the soul thing. Because he and did, like, he did solo albums in the early '80s, and he was working with the Sweet Inspirations or uh, the woman from the Sweet Inspirations. So it was like a soul album that he did in the '80s, <clears throat> and it's not good. Two albums he did, <laughs> self-titled, self-titled, and Young Blood. <laughs> How, fam- how familiar? How familiar are you with the full Beach Boys catalog? Familiar, familiar, but I don't, I'm like not familiar in, with into the late '70s and into the '80s. Mm. Like, have you ever spent a Saturday night listening to the L.A. Light album? No, and then like, what the hell? Am <laughs> I think what the hell am you. I doing with my I life think after like 2020? I'm not like, the, super familiar. Or the M.I.U. album, no. which is like yeah, Summer in Paradise. <laughs> it's like so. It's so tough to get through. Yeah, we should. You listen to that album and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> but not to take it on a tangent, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I, Beach Boys tangents is what we're all about. Yeah, so. I know. That's a great I, tangent. <laughs> this is a valuable tangent. <laughs> but let's play Darling now. When yeah, which is like peak yeah, Carl peak, Wilson. Peak great song. Beautiful. Carl, we miss you. It's true. We miss you. Next, what do we got? Shangri-Las. Oh, uh, we got one more Beach Boys. Oh, one more Beach Boys song. <laughs> more Sick. Beach Boys. You're not getting off that easy. With good, I want three. No threes. Two. Yeah, charm. three. So next, we are doing. We got it. We're doing "Be Here in the Morning" from the Friends album. Uh, this song, in particular, I guess, doesn't have any specific reference to our album, but it's just a song I always like, and I thought of it because when you said that you listen to echoes and you listen to it over and over again i have specific memories of when i first heard this song being like oh my god this song is blowing my mind and i just listened to it on repeat over and over yeah, and over nice. again nice 
in particular because of the lead vocal, which is just like a crazy falsetto lead vocal. It is crazy. I almost thought it was like a woman it guest, sounds like guest, a woman. guesting on a Beach Boys song. But it's so good that at the time I was just like, I can't believe this. And I just listened to it over and over again. So the next track is Be Here in the Morning. Beautiful. Now, Shangri-Las or Misfits. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. Golden well, hits. All right. We can't get off without... Uh, doing one influential female fronted band which of which there are many that influence us but we'll go with the Shangri-Las and we'll go with Give Him a Great Big Kiss is our pick um, it's a great song uh, that I feel like we've considered covering and maybe if you know if people hear this podcast and they demand it from us on social media we, Demanding will, it. we will gladly do it I mean Mary Weiss is such a interesting uh, vocalist. I, I'm a fan of whiny vocals. I feel like they might be polarizing, but as you can tell from our love of the Beach Boys to, you know, the female singers of the '60s, there's something about not being like the Broadway singer, not being like, because I don't consider myself a singer. I'm somebody who studied saxophone, who wanted a songwrite, who just decided I want to sing my own songs in a style that I like. And I feel like people like Mary Weiss have shaped who I want to be when yeah. I have, you know, that presence and have that like crazy whiny vocal. And I will say that vocal style that she has, I feel like is completely defunct now. Nobody does it like there is a certain modern way that especially female singers sing. It's like, I don't know, the 2000s, 2010s, like faux soulful like they put on this voice and it's like i don't know to me it's almost disgusting i don't like it at all <laughs> it's like it's like very affected whereas like yeah as far as like what you're considering like top 40 or like mainstream singer songwriters yeah, yeah. or like everybody who does their youtube videos does their yeah like in the same the style <laughs> and like mary weiss is just like a very pure tone like totally unaffected just like i am singing a song and I feel like that's almost, it's almost looked down upon now by like modern, uh, like I feel like we, because we choose to present our songs in a style like Mary Weiss or in- We get looked down upon. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do get, we, I feel like we get dismissed to a certain extent. No, to be it's, like, it's true. It's I don't a know about I don't know about this vocal style because like in the past 30 years, nobody has sung yeah. like Mary Weiss. Like, I don't know the last time somebody's sang, I mean, I feel like, like the 80s were like the end of it. Where like I feel Madonna, like... Madonna, maybe? Like, yeah. just like a, a pure, like, I'm just a, a girl singing, like, a pure note without any... Uh, yeah, because I feel like you had that, like, between, like, the Go-Go's and Madonna and stuff. I feel like there was still... That was, like, hanging on in the 80s. And I feel like somewhere in the 90s, there was maybe a little bit of it still hanging out there mm -hmm. with, like, singer-songwriters, like, I don't know, Lisa Loeb or something. <laughs> but, like, somehow... Picking random. <laughs> I don't know. She's got a pure voice. Yeah, pure. she does. She's pure and innocent. I'm just saying, somewhere in there, like, a transition happened into the 2000s where everything got very formulaic and it just... Do you know what I'm talking about, though? That style of modern yeah. female singing where every female singer sounds exactly the same? Yeah. That's really, I don't know. It's really off-putting to me. Yeah, I can't even do it. I like, I can't. So it's not like yeah, I can try like to a, sell out. It's a thing can't. you have to learn and put on. And yeah, it's, like the way seems, you pronounce certain syllables. It seems so fake to me. So anyway. Shangri-Las, man. <laughs> there's a lot of great, <laughs> there's a lot of great songs we could have picked, but here is Give him one. a great big yeah. kiss. <laughs> Wonderful. And the Misfits to wrap it up. 
What song are we picking from? <laughs> I don't know. Static Age. It's a great album, so it's real hard to pick. We could have picked any song on this album because they're all great with maybe one or two exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all great. I think we're going with Hybrid Moments. That's a wonderful song. That works, a works famous for me. classic song. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows, but I don't know. We love the Misfits. Everybody loves the Misfits, I hope. Yeah, I should think so. I mean, I also feel like even though it doesn't quite... I don't think it's a noticeable influence like vocally, but I still like I love Danzig's vocal style. And I feel like I'm very cognizant of when he does like vocal turns and stuff. That And of course, songwriting that is 60s inspired. But yeah. Pre- yeah. Presented in a, a totally different, different way, in a different yeah. way, which is is always great to do. And and a New Jersey band. And we're a New Jersey band. Yeah. Lodi, Lodi, New Jersey. Uh, right along there with um, 1910 Fruit Comb Company from Linden. Yeah, <laughs> uh, our favorite New Jersey bands. Nice, so both uh, both great pop bands. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just trying to throw them in there. <laughs> I like to always give a shout out to the 1910 Fruit Comb Company, but I gotta check them out. Yeah, um, <laughs> but for the Misfits, we are picking picking hybrid moments. Beautiful. We're playing bunch of Beach Boys, <laughs> Shangri Las, and the Misfits. We'll be back.
When I say I'm in love, you best believe I'm in love, L-U-V. Beach Boys, Shangri-Las, The Misfits, Fascinations, Grand Choruses, Picks, 
Andy and Steph, it was so much fun hanging out with you guys today. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yeah, it was we're a lot happy of fun. to come over. I Anytime. Hope, I hope you got a good Happy Meal toy. <laughs> I did. Um, I, no matter what it is, it is good. It's unopened at the moment, but hopefully it'll be good. <laughs> I'm really excited to open it. <laughs> and any shows coming up? What's going on for the rest of the year? What's up in 2020 for FGC? No shows at the moment. We will be playing on Three Chord Monty with Joe Belock. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I believe that is going to be the 16th of December, but I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah, so just stay tuned on a I mean, you should WFMU all, social media. Yeah, listen yeah, every listen Monday every at 12 You should to always three. be listening to Joe Belock anyway from 12 to 3 on WFMU. But uh, I think sometime in December we will be on his show and I think we will be doing like... A live set, probably, right? A live set. And I think it's going to be half songs from the album and half Christmas songs because it's going to be December and we like Christmas songs. And we have a few original Christmas songs. Yes, you do. If there's any people out there who like original Christmas music, check out our band camp because we have... We love Christmas music and we have a couple songs out there. And maybe if we're lucky, there might be some more in our near future. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe this December. Maybe if you're good this year. <laughs> maybe this December, there may be another original Christmas song coming I've been out. good all year, man. <laughs> I've been good. <laughs> so tune into WFMU in December. Always tune into Joe Belock. And we'll, we'll just be playing. Just WFMU whenever, you know, just tune in. <laughs> I'm like pretty pumped because I'm at work. I'm doing like a temporary assignment in a different office. I work in Newark. I have a radio in my office, but for some reason it wouldn't pick up 911. Oh no. <laughs> so, but now I'm going to be in Jersey City, so I'm like I really hope I can pick up 911 cuz I will have it on in my office. Out of all, all the time. places, I would hope Jersey City. <laughs> yeah, I would hope it's the just signal, not coming in. I would hope the signal works. Yeah, but I hope so cuz I'll listen to it at work when you guys are there and I'll be like, "Damn, I wish I was there." But <laughs> Cool, everyone. The new record, Presentations of Electrical Confectionery. You can get it via Bandcamp. That's Fascinations Grand Chorus.bandcamp.com. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. It's also available on all streaming services Spotify, Apple Music, possibly Tidal. We never know. <laughs> We're never sure. Deezer. <laughs> Deezer. <laughs> it's out there on the internet. Google it, and you'll be able to find the sweet, sweet sounds of Fascinations Grand Chorus. We're playing one more song for you guys before we end the episode. Cry Over You. Tell me some parting words. Give me some parting <laughs> words on this song. Is it about boy-girl relationship? Is it not? Is it about relationships in general? Is it not? Who knows? But it's a... Fun song. Listener, you decide. An he, upbeat garage song. Yeah. Does it kind of maybe remind you of the Ramones influence a little bit? You know, with some keyboards and some female vocals? I sure hope so. Does it have some fuzzy guitar on it? Does it have some noise and synth noise? I think it does. So hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> Guys, it's been a blast hanging out with Fascinations Grand Chorus. Everyone out there, I recommend you do it sometime in the future by going to a Fascinations Grand Chorus show. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. This is Cry Over You. <laughs>